Welcome to the Athlete Plus Network, and it is the official podcast network of the Institute for Coaching Excellence, a research and educational outreach center in the College of Health and Human Performance at the University of Florida. I'm Kevin Carr, CEO of ProtoCO and industry professor at UF, and I serve as the host of the hit show, How I Transition Podcast. The Hit Show is a podcast devoted to talking to current and former athletes on and off the court, field, track, or diamond, and the leaders in sport behind the scenes who support these elite athletes, the teams, and organizations, and their stories to educate all listeners and advance the profession of coaching and supporting athletes. Today, we're delighted to bring you another great show. And today's guest is Lauren Claiborne on The Hit Show. Lauren's bio, I can go on and on about all the wonderful things she has done. But I want to let our listeners know it's about the conversation and the exchange of experiences and the art and science of the many transitions each of our special guests have done. And that's what The Hit Show is about. So without further ado, let's introduce Lauren. Lauren is from Detroit and entering her third season as the Director of Community Relations and Player Programs for the Golden State Warriors. Yes, Dub Nation is in the house, where she leads philanthropic and community efforts for the franchise with 15 years of partnership, marketing, and social responsibility experience with the NBA, NFL, D1 Athletics. Lauren has the developed programs that support the Warriors' social responsibility pillars and player initiatives. She graduated from Michigan State, go green, with her degree in advertising. (laughs) Go white. I love that. (laughs) And serves as sports management adjunct professor at the University of San Francisco. Lauren also serves as a board member of Team Impact and the alumni board of the Communication, Art, and Sciences Colleges at Michigan State University. One of the few people who I know has worked for multiple leagues, so she's skilled here, ladies and gentlemen. I would say that we have one of the rising stars in all of sports with us today. Lauren is a person that you ought to know, so we're bringing her to you with much Forever and fanfare. She's an entrepreneur too, author, and is strong in her faith. We're honored to have today joining us on the hit show, Miss Lauren Claiborne. Welcome to the hit show, Lauren. Ooh, I feel like I need like applause, applause, applause. <laughs> Kevin, thank Little you. Thank you, thank you so much for having me. This is truly my honor and my pleasure to be here as a part of this amazing podcast um, and just, you know, program. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of you and all the work um, and the mentorship that you have provided. Um, So this is truly my honor. um, And it's a little it's a little emotional. And so Mm. I'm I'm extremely glad and honored to be here. Thank you. Wow. Uh, Where's the box of tissues? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Come on, where's the Kleenex here? Listen, we, we, we could go on and on about how far back we go, but today really is about what you bring to the industry and how far you've come and where you're about to go still. Our first mm-hmm. question up really is, and it's a genuine, authentically, who is Lauren Claiborne? 
Yeah. So I think that's like a loaded question. It's like kind of where do you start? Which which hat do you pull out? Um, but I think overall, um, I'm a woman of faith. Um, and so my relationship with the Lord, with Jesus is extremely important to me. Um, but I'm also, you know, I, I deem myself a, a person in, in sports and social impact. And so, um, yes, because of my profession, but really just because of who I am and to be able to use sport as an avenue to to bring attention and awareness to all of the social issues that our country and our world has is extremely important to me. Um, I am an author. I am a professor. Um, I'm a sibling. I'm a friend. Um, I'm a Spartan. Always go green. And so that's probably top of the list. But I'm, I'm all those things and probably some things laced in between there as well. Awesome. What amazing. Tell us, what was it like growing up in the D in Detroit? Give us the some background city. on that. <laughs> the best city. Well, I actually, um, I was born in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, raised oh, okay. in Detroit. Um, and so just a little bit about uh, Belzoni, Mississippi, which is where my family is from. It was an amazing, amazing time. Imagine like small, quaint town, but the time of your life because you were there with your mm-hmm. family. Um, but I was really raised in Detroit. And so the, the time that was spent there, um, I do think that it has given me an edge. You hear the saying, Detroit versus everybody. Um, but right. it's true and true to the, the people that live and grew up there as well. And so um, I do think that in my time there, um, it was a, a time in the in the life. Right. And so you think about what Detroit mm-hmm. is known for um, the auto industry. Obviously, we were the Motor City music, entertainment, food, fashion. And so I just remember all the, the moments where my mom was taking me to Gladys Knight concerts and getting me dressed up and my dad was taking me to have Buddy's Pizza, you know, which is where the original mm-hmm. Detroit style pizza came from. And so I had a time of my life. Um, you know, I remember even in high school going to the auto shows thinking I was cute, uh, you know, going <laughs> there and probably getting into some trouble I need to be getting into. But I had the, the time of my life in Detroit. There is no city that compares. Um, and I will, you know, bleed Detroit through and through, even to this day. So Detroit, Detroit versus everybody. Wow. Detroit is in your blood it for is. sure, for sure. <laughs> what would you say a person early in your life impacted you and helped shape you and made you who you are today? Yeah, so, so many people, and it's hard to to narrow in on just one, but I would say probably my mother, um, you know, especially, you know, I think you don't realize how influential your parents are to you until you get older, um, and just how my mom, you know, she always made sure that we had all of the fun, um, you know, but she also provided the, the essence of responsibility. And so I just remember she was like, Lauren, do it right the first time. She used to always say that when I used to do my, cha- my chores because I used to like go in there and just wipe it down. And she'd be like, Lauren, if you would do it right the first time, you can get it done right. and move on to whatever you need to do. And so just the, the uh, lessons that she taught me about work ethic and about, you know, keeping myself together as a woman and how education was so important and 
still being around family and still having just kind of this involvement and engagement with, you know, people that love you and love on you. Um, she was probably, you know, and I, I'm sure probably stems if I could just add like a 0.5 to my grandmother, um, because my grandmother is the same way. And so just what I learned, you know, from those ladies, um, and I feel like my dad is going to be like, dang, you ain't even show me up, but he, he's in there too. But yeah. if, I, if I can only name one, I would probably start with my mom. Oh, you can throw dad in there. You know that's important. I'm a dad, so <laughs> give him give him a minute. Go ahead. Dad is integral in that. So shout out to your father, right? Yes. Shout out to Luke. <laughs> Wonderful. Talk to me about, you know, you went to Michigan State and you developed an affinity to work in sports or the business of supporting, helping people. You know, where did that come from and why did you want to make a career out of it? Yeah, so I think it's impossible to to be at Michigan State and not have an affinity towards sports. I mean, obviously we know uh, Michigan State is a, a big team powerhouse when it comes to, to sports. And, you know, when I got to uh, Michigan State my freshman year, the first thing I wanted to do was kind of repeat some of the experiences that I had in high school. So you immediately look for the sports teams, the kind of the behind the scenes of sports. And so I do think that is, you know, when we have our orientation at Michigan State, they tell you that you bleed green. Um, and so that's mm-hmm. kind of how you start your orientation. So it's just this pride that you have about the school that lives with you and kind of carries you out through your your career as well. But one particular instance is really the the thing that kind of catapulted me to want to develop this love that I have for the sports world off of the court or off of the field. When I was a, a grad assistant at Michigan State, we I worked with the women's basketball team and every game they hosted a a child that had a fatal illness. And so we scheduled them for the entire season. So you knew that if the kid was there, you knew he was having a good day. If, if he didn't show up, you knew that he wasn't having a good day. And so one of the mm-hmm. times that we had one of the, the kids there, they had asked me, and I'm probably dating myself with the silly bands um, that were kind of like a, a fan favorite giveaway. And so the we had, you know, ran out of the silly bands. And so that I was asking the student, you know, the kid how he was doing. And he was like, oh, I'm doing great. I'm having a blast because he was sitting courtside. You know, we decked him out. He had met all the players. And so he was like, but do you know where I could get those silly bands from? And so I just uh-huh. so happened to have you know, the the giveaway on my arm. So I was like, oh, these? And he was like, yeah. And he, I was like, oh, you could just have mine. And the kids started weeping. And I realized, you know, yes, it's it's important to, to have the game. And we, at that time, you know, we were winning Big Ten championships and, you know, we were going to a lot of bowl games. And, you know, obviously Michigan State is a, a huge powerhouse when it comes to sports, but the impact that the game has on so many families. That was the really the reason why I wanted to work in this kind of social responsibility side of sports and kind of how Michigan State and all of the athletic culture that it provides provided this really cool opportunity for me to work in this space even years later. Oh, that's awesome. I love, um, you know, MSU was a great point for me too during that time. Phenomenal experience working with three, I would say, Hall of Fame coaches, Tom Izzo, Nick Saban, and Ron Mason, um, you know, basketball, football, and and hockey, and to actually experience going from there. I think it really positioned me well for the NBA um, because I was there when I got the call. So I totally uh, look at 
one of the bigger and better decisions I made in my young career was to go green and get into yes. Michigan State um, <laughs> family by way of employment. But I became an adjunct professor there too. So just so many firsts, yeah. you know, I, I can't say enough about East Lansing and Lansing. And I lived in Grossbeck in the area. So just so we could go yeah. a lot of directions there. But let's keep it yes. going here. So when you think about how you first got your big break, what was it that got you in the door from MSU to one of the bigger brands in the entire state of Michigan in the NBA? Talk to us about that. Yeah. So, you know, the world is is this big. Um, <laughs> so it's very, very small. Literally that big. Literally that big. And so when I was at Michigan State, I knew that I wanted to, you know, just as every other student, you want to work in sports. Um, but when I first graduated, I, you know, applied everywhere. You know, I was basically just looking for a job because I knew I had to leave East Lansing and I knew that I couldn't go back home. And so I was literally looking for a job. My first job was actually at General Motors. And so when I went there, I wanted to, you know, yes, I was working for a car manufacturer, but I really had the opportunity to work on the sports platforms. And so I was the individual that was going to California and telling Tiger Woods to turn his hat so you could see the Buick logo or going to, you know, a, a NFL game and making sure that the vehicle display outside of the game was appropriate and it was set up correctly. And so even though, you know, when I first graduated, I didn't go straight to a sports team. I do think that that experience there and working with multiple leagues and knowing how the brand supported the, the teams and the leagues as well. I do think that that was the, you know, besides the experience that I had at Michigan State, I do think that that experience catapulted me into, yes, you know, one, I know that I want to work for a sports team, but now I also have this kind of 360 uh, experience and skill set and not only working for the team and working with teams, but also at the brand levels as well. And so I think that that catapulted me into my early career and working with corporate partnerships. And so when I went to the Pistons, being able to have that experience at General Motors already, I definitely think uh, helped develop and, and catapulted me into this amazing career that's just getting started. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to go, uh, so we're in the early part of this talk. Mm -hmm. um, if you could go back to yourself as an early Michigan State grad, what, what a piece of advice would you have given yourself so you could have really blown it out the water? Talk to us, because we have a lot of students who are aspiring mm. to get out of the gate really strong and good. What would you say to them? I would say the, the skill sets that you develop in your first two years out of college and the relationships that you set and develop again, right out of college, those experiences that you have will be experiences that you will have 10, 15, 20 years into your career and no experience is wasted. And so when you think about, oh, I want to work for a sports team and you know, people immediately, they want to come in as the VP of marketing. <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. like, no, you may have a job in ticket sales, um, but mm -hmm. I guarantee you that your experience in ticket sales is going to help you be a better VP of marketing. 
because you understand what it takes to, to market and co to communicate to fans because you've had this experience of cold calling people for tickets. And so, mm -hmm. you know, people, I remember, um, at Michigan State, oh my gosh, uh, I remember it was this one weekend, we had a volleyball game, we had two volleyball games, we had Midnight Madness, obviously we had our our football game, it was homecoming, so it was Lots all, these going on. all these things going on during this one weekend, and I remember I was so tired, so exhausted, and I remember I was moving boxes from one building to the stadium, and I remember I was on a golf, court, a golf cart, and all the boxes literally fell off the golf cart in the middle of the street and uh -oh. i remember i was so tired so exhausted i was literally just in the middle of the street and i just started crying because i was so tired and so oh, exhausted man. you know but think about how i was moving boxes then even in my road now i still move boxes right so we just did our <laughs> team signing you know a couple of weeks ago where we're literally moving tons of boxes on golf carts and so you know mm -hmm. just the experience that you have taking every single one and just knowing that all of those experiences that you have are literally individual tools that are in your tool belt and all of a sudden mm -hmm. you'll realize of like the the depth of your experience that you have and how it's just making you such a yes a, a better career person but also a, a, a better uh, personal person, right? And so just what right. you learn um, from your career perspective, but also just making you a better person in general. And so I think all of those experiences that you have in your first and your second year right out of college, they're only going to help you get to your career 10 to 15 years down the line as well. And, and I think you really live that because I think about you and I, we met years ago and, yeah. you know, two both our credits, we've been able to stay in touch. And yeah. you you did a, a, a great job as a mentee and you really stayed in touch <laughs> over the years. <laughs> and that's not, not an easy skill to pick up, but it's one that's like proven that you stuck with something in my mind yeah. that you really wanted. And a lot of people get discouraged when that big time person they reach out doesn't get back to them and they still forget sure. them. Um, I never big timed you, by the way. So, and I don't think of myself like that. You did. So, you yeah, did. Like, <laughs> no, I did. You need to stop. But what you I will did. say, <laughs> what I will say is, you we had to get never. Calendar, <laughs> we we okay. did get on calendar, but you did the stick to itiveness, and you're talking real truths because you learned early that you needed to connect with people that you thought might be good for you to know and potentially in the future, it could pan out to be something, but you didn't know that, right? For sure. For sure. And I, I think about even, you know, those times I remember someone made the introduction, um, you know, for mm -hmm. us to, for us to connect. That mentioned somebody from MSU, right? Yes. And I think so many people, you know, are introduced to people and they're like, well, I reached out to them one time and they didn't call me back. Or I reached out to them for a job and they didn't have a job right away. Or I reached out to them and, you know, they, you know, just gave me some generic information. But you because you thought that information was generic, you never went back. Right. And mm -hmm. so and I do think that now the conversations that you and I are having, they're still about the same topic. Right. Mm -hmm. But just mm -hmm. how they evolved in the last 10 years. 
and just the, the, the different things that now as a mentor that I needed you to be 10 years ago, and now the mentor that I need you now is completely different, right? True, and so I do, I do think that if I could go back and tell my, my younger self, it would be to continue to, to do that, right? And mm-hmm. I just, you know, I was dogmatic about maintaining the relationships that I have. And, you know, now the individuals that I work for and I interned at Michigan State my freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year, you know, I just went back to homecoming and just saw them all. And so just, the, the you know, the connections that you have, you know, it, they're, they're just going to be so important. So keeping in touch is, is critical. So I would definitely say to continue to do that. And you, you've done superb, and I, I continue to see nothing but blue sky in front of you. You've worked for two different leagues. A lot of people yeah. can't say that, and done collegiate work. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you say your experiences at all of these differ? Because some people only dream of even, I just want to work for the league, the NFL, yeah. the Shield. Then you get to work for Logo Man. Then you want somewhat in the NCAA. Like yeah. you, you, were, you really done a fabulous job kind of coming in and out of these. How did you do that? Yeah, I definitely think the, you know, going back to the point I made about nothing is ever wasted, right? So the things that I did at Michigan State, you know, for the community side and the athlete perspective is, is very similar to what I'm doing now here at the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the differences, you know, I'll probably start with the similarities first. The similarities is game day is game day, right? So the preparation mm-hmm. that it takes to get to game day is is very similar regardless of the sport, regardless of the league. But I do think that the 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 things that are important to the leagues differ, right? And so the things mm-hmm. that are important to the NBA may be different to the than collegiate because they're obviously trying mm-hmm. to prepare men and women to be great, you know, individuals out of college, after college. And right. in the NBA, right, this may be the start of their career, the middle of their career, the end of their career. And so you're helping individuals you know, transition in and out, you know, out of mm-hmm. their, you know, out of their professional, quote unquote, professional careers as a, as a player from a, a social responsibility side, the things that were important to Michigan State, what we did in, in social responsibility may be different, you know, than what the NBA does. But I think the, the cool thing specifically about social responsibility at all the, the leagues and the levels is that the, the emphasis on how important it is at every level to continue to give back. And not yeah. only as an individual, as an individual player, but also as that institution, I think has always been the, the standard. Um, and the foundation of it. And so that has been really cool to see that transition in and out of leagues. Um, but everything that I, I did at Michigan State, I took that to the NFL. Everything that oh, I did okay. at the NFL, I, I'm taking it here. Nothing so, like You took everything, the leftovers, <laughs> everything. <laughs> you have to. You have to. Right. And, you know, the really cool thing is I know, you know, not only, you know, employees, you know, that work at these different leagues, but I also know athletes that, you know, work across leagues. And so even when you have the opportunity to collaborate, you know, across leagues or, you know, the cool thing, you know, I knew Draymond at Michigan State. Now I get to work with Draymond here at Golden wow. State. And so, again, that is true. It's, it's just been a really cool kind of path to follow. But there's definitely similarities, you know, and there's also differences as well. So. I hope I answer your so, question. So important to know that it can be done and you've done it. 
And so a lot of those people were sitting out here saying, how do you do it? She just broke it down in her own way. But everybody out here who wants to compete and get into this space, I've said, you know, your gifts have made room for you. You literally took advantage and moved them to every area. What would you say? And by the way, let's not go too further than Dub Nation. Congratulations on winning your first NBA World Championship. Do I need to bring the ring out? You can bring it out. Bring it out. We'd love to see it. But to, 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 to those who I knew you when there were times where you were concerned about your next career and to see you come back in and then go in working during a COVID period and then come out of it and see success. What a testament. What advice do you have for, you know, like you you were hired during a really pressured period, like the passing of George Floyd, COVID, all these things that were happening. Did you feel pressure in that? Did you feel a sense of, you know, am I going to get back? I'm back now. Is this really going to work out? Oh my God, this national issue that became a global issue. I'm in social responsibility. What am I, like, I got a lot going on here. How did you manage through all those pressures? Because everybody thinks you won a championship. You good. You live (laughs) in big time. And now- but you didn't see all of that. None of that was there before this. So walk us, talk us through the pressures and the differences during that time. How did you come out of that with a ring? And and what do you think like people should know about that? For sure. I think there's moments, you know, Kevin, you brought up, like there was times where I was concerned about my career and about next steps. And I think that Every person, um, it doesn't matter the the field that you are in. There's mm-hmm. always like this moment or moments where you're like, what am I doing? Am I supposed to be here? How did I get here? I don't know what next steps are. I'm not feeling, you know, the current. I thought this is what it was going to be and it was something different, you know. Um, and so I do think that there's always the, these moments that you have where you're second guessing your your influence. And so I do think that that was a, you know, we've had plenty of conversations around that. And so, you know, but fast forward to moving um, to San Francisco, you know, December of 2020 during the height of COVID, the height of racial unrest, the height of, you know, the, the pool and the demand for celebrities and athletes to make a stance and make comments and have, you know, remarks about what was happening in our country. You know, one, it affected me personally. I'm a, a black young woman, you know, that is, has moved to San Francisco. So it affected me personally. So the conversations that I was having with my peers and my friends and my business and my organization, you know, those are, it was affecting me personally as well, you know, and then thought about like my brother, you know, who is, you know, a 20 year old black guy, you know, so my, my fears and my concerns for the black men in my life, you know, this is a real thing that affected me personally. Professionally, one, I think in our world, you know, as a social responsibility person um, and even, a, a, you know, and at the time I wasn't in player programs, but, you know, kind of evolving into that role. It's hard to do community when you can't be with the community. <laughs> and so <laughs> right. one, 
you know, we're so used to like, oh, we're going to do this player appearance or, oh, we're going to have this community event. And to be able to, you know, to, to have the ability to do that, we, we weren't able to. And so, and especially in San Francisco, where the restrictions were even uh, higher than a lot of the areas in the, the country. So we, we would go to other sports arenas and they would have a full arena full. And in San Francisco, we couldn't have fans. And so one, I think it developed, you know, a skill set that we didn't know that we have. One, how can we engage with our communities when we can't be around them, right? When our players can't engage with them, when they're in a bubble, when they have safety protocols that won't allow them to be involved, how can we create these unique and creative ways for them to still be engaged? And so I do think that the pressure to figure out how we can be, you know, socially responsible, you know, was you know, something that was the pressure on me to figure that out. And then I think our corporate partners were also looking to say, hey, we want to support you, but how can we do how so? We how, do can we, how can we work together? So now, you know, not only do you have to answer to yourself, you got to answer to your organization, you got to answer to your corporate partners, you know, but then also, you know, just the pressure of doing something that our players really, you know, was a, a genuine response. You know, and so our players are greatly affected by, you know, all of the the social unrest, by COVID, by people passing away. They were affected just as much as we were in trying to still have an understanding from them of what's important to them. What do they want to say? What do they want their remarks to be? How much or how little do they want to be involved? So that was, you know, all of the pressures, you know, added. And then just with any other thing. All of those things in mind, but also moving away from your family, moving across the country Mm. and having to deal with the dynamics of like, hey, I can't go home for Christmas now because it's COVID and I can't, you know, do this because it's COVID, you know. So just also dealing with that. It was a, a crazy, crazy, you know, year and a half of, you know, quote unquote COVID that I was here. And so, but, you know, I think we're, we're still coming out of it. Right. And so I mm-hmm. think we're still navigating through it, I think. But one of the cool things about it is that I do think that it has awakened our involvement and our engagement as an organization, because I think sometimes you get in the, the nuances and like the, oh, like the familiarity of like, just, oh, we do this and we do that. But it was like, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Like we have to figure out a way that we can be extremely genuine, extremely impactful. Like we said that we we are about our business, but now we actually have to be about it. And so I do think that it allowed us to kind of have a a fresh slate to really impact our communities in the most, you know, amazing way. Man, I just it takes me back to so much we could impact there still. You know, part of me wonders, you know, you worked alone in COVID, you were kind of by yourself, you're unproven, like, and people yeah. had to take a chance on you and, and, and you weathered that. I'd love to dive into that at some point. We, yeah. we can talk offline on that, but you yes. know, what advice, you talked about being a black woman, what advice would you give to all women of color, women in general who have elevated or want to elevate to higher levels of leadership, particularly in sports and entertainment, which we know is a male dominated space. Yeah, you've done it. You continue to want to aspire to higher levels. I've heard some things you'd love to do in the future. Big, big, big. So talk to us about even making it where you are. For some people, they would say that's 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 good enough for me. But I know you you got some big plans here. So talk and help and, and bring us through that. 
a couple of things that I would I would recommend. I definitely think having you know we this this saying that uh, every woman has a group chat of other women that are backing them up. And so I do think, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to just be all women, but having a circle around you that is is a, a circle just for you. So not your 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 professional hat, but just a circle that is there for Lauren. So as you are navigating your professional, your personal, like trying to navigate who you are, your spiritual self. You know, having a, a network of people that literally just care about you, that are going to cheerlead just you. Um, I think that's extremely important for you to have. I think mentors, you know, and sometimes you want to have mentors that look, think, act like you. Um, but sometimes you need to, to have mentors that, that think the complete opposite mm-hmm. and have mentors and sponsors that are in rooms that you would never be able to, to be in. And I know, you know, plenty of times, you know, I would be like, hey, Kevin, like, I'm gonna call you. I'm gonna call you back, even if you don't answer. Right. <laughs> and there was other people, you know, who it is so funny because you introduced me to, to Todd Jacobson. Mm-hmm. Right. And now I talk to him all, all the, the time, time. But he was another person. That's right? right, and I'm like, Todd, you gonna you gonna answer the phone one of these times? <laughs> I call you, you know. And so I do, you know. But I consider Ty as a mentor, you know, figure to me as well. And so just having you know mentors in your life that may look, think, act, you know, have be in a completely different life cycle mm-hmm. that you are in, I think that that only stretches and grows you because it puts you, you know, in a different perspective than the group that you always hang with. So I do think that that's extremely important. And then I would say also is like, don't be afraid to 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 say yes to an opportunity. Right. Mm-hmm. So one, you know, I was in Detroit and I was like, oh, you want me to move to San Francisco <laughs> <laughs> and you want me to move that's to San Francisco? That's a big one, right? <laughs> It's a it's a big one. You want me to move to San Francisco and work in community and I don't even know anything about the community, right? And so I think that but this opportunity has only stretched it has developed me in ways that I didn't even think was possible. And so I do think that, you know, saying yes to opportunities that make you uncomfortable, I think is extremely important. But then I would just say lastly is like hold your your own voice in the room. You are extremely needed. Your voice is needed. Even when people say like, mm, we're not really, re- we're not really rocking with your voice. Yeah, like we're not tracking. You're, <laughs> we, we're not tracking, but your, your voice is so important and mm-hmm. you're going to get a lot of no's. You're going to get people that may not like you, that may, you know, have no reason to, to not like you, but they just don't because of whatever the reason, you know, but hold your voice, you know, right. hold your stance in the room. Um, and I can, you know, think of so many times where, you know, I remember the first time I had to like stand up for myself. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm about to get fired. (laughs) (laughs) Good, 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 good. But that experience by me standing up for myself, it, it gave me another step of who I am. And so it, and when I say another step of who I am, it it's like oh I can I can do hard things and so when you do hard things over and over and over again those harder things become easier to do mm-hmm. and so I do think that you know don't be afraid to to be yourself stand up for yourself be unique to who you are those will all be all the the things that I would say and I'm you know I'm still learning them there's still some days that are really easy to do a lot of days they're hard to do. 
Um, so I'm still doing those things even now. What a great response. Um, so much in that. And you just really continue to, to make me so proud to, to hear a lot of the things that you've yeah. done and continue to. I want to give you some more shout outs here. And this is a great one to ask. How did it feel when you received the Woman of Excellence Award by the Michigan Chronicle? Congratulations on that, by the way. How did Thank that feel? You. That was, uh, I remember that moment because I remember when I found out I was in my room and I was just like going through my email. I had no idea to receive that recognition, obviously, from, you know, the city that I love in Detroit was, you know, probably a, t a top honor, top experience for me. And the reason why it was extremely humbling was because I knew other people that had received that award. And I was like, oh, are y'all sure y'all didn't send it to the wrong email? <laughs> and so okay. to receive that to receive the honor in the midst of so many other amazing women that I consider as friends, as mentors, as experts in their fields, and to receive it amongst, you know, so many cool people was a once in a lifetime opportunity and still on the kind of like top 10 list of things that I've been able to, to do and experience. Wow. Just love the fact that your hometown recognized you as well. So you've gone, but you're not forgotten. So love that. Yes. What would you say? A lot of people are going to say, Kelly, I can't believe you didn't ask it. So I got to ask, what is it like working for Dub Nation, Curry, Draymond, Clay, you know, one of my favorites, you know, Iguodala, who was there, yeah. you know, all of that. Just give me a sense of what it's like and no disrespect to anybody else there. What is it yeah. like to be in that ecosystem working with these global stars, the yeah. best players in the world at what they do. It's honestly a, a dream. And sometimes, you know, you're sitting in the room mm -hmm. with those four guys that you just mentioned and you're like, how did I get here? <laughs> and, how did I get here? Me? Little old me, right? How did I get here? Um, and I, you know, I'll just use as a, a example and I hope he wouldn't mind me sharing this, but we had our media day and the person that I was responsible for making sure that he gets around was Andre Iguodala. Oh, that's my guy. And What's up, Dre? To be, yes. <laughs> shout out to Dre. That's my guy. We got to shout out to Andre Iguodala. You know, to, I remember that was like one of my first experiences in, in being with them, you know, for a, a significant amount of time. And the, First thing that, you know, he walked out of the locker room and he was like, oh, you from Detroit? Oh, OK. You know, and so right. it was a one. It was a reminder to to be myself because mm -hmm. that's all that they're they're doing. And so to go in, if you're like, oh, you know, just a reminder that they're human, that they're people, that they have families, that they have, you know, issues and concerns and anxiety about things, you know. Mm -hmm. And so it was just a reminder to be myself. Um, and every everything that is unique about me to bring that to the table because that's all that they're doing. When you're in a room with Steph, like in Stephen Curry, he's only bringing the things that are unique about him to the table every right. single day. And so one, it was a reminder to continue to be myself, but it was also a reminder that I'm walking in a room with champions, so I should act like a champion too. Okay. And so okay. these four these four individuals specifically, you know, they were champions before I got there. Yep. And so if I'm walking in the room with them, I can't 
act like I'm not a, a champion. Mm-hmm. And so, and when I'm saying a champion, we know that obviously we're, we're talking about their experience on the court, but also the championship mentality off of the court as mm-hmm. well. And so when I'm walking into a room or if I'm walking into a restaurant or if I'm, you know, doing things in my personal life, knowing who I'm, who I'm connected to, like, I'm a, I'm a champion, baby. Like, <laughs> and so to, to, to be able to have that, that mindset right. has only changed the way that I do my job. And so, you know, we, we, and it's so funny, you know, we talk about the heels that are in front of us last year, we were not projected to, to even make it to the playoffs. We definitely weren't projected to win at all. Right. And it's like, oh, okay, you, you can, you can doubt us if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> so we, when we, when it's time to rise, you know, to the occasion, we, we gonna do it. Right. And so, and I think that that, that mindset um, of even, you know, having all of the people coming for the throne now, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. having that mindset is not necessarily a, a arrogant thing or anything like that, but just being able to know that you're, you're a champion and to govern yourselves accordingly. And so that has been the, the experience that has been since I've been yeah, here. The culture there is amazing. You know, having, I, I met your owner when he came to our market in Tampa and spoke at USR. Yeah. I met your GM before I've, you know, countless of people throughout yeah. the organization. You do carry a yeah. championship winners mentality. Every position, yeah. everybody yeah. believes and what they do so much that they are a champion at that position. So kudos to you and the culture that you guys have created there. You've done a lot of programs all over in like your own. You've done for the, you know, the Detroit with the lions, you've done stuff with dub nation. You, you know, you've done a lot. What would you say one of the programs you've been most proud of? Like, that's hard to do because you've done a lot, but could you give us one? <laughs> I'm a stumpy, right? I'm stumping you right oh now. So it's so funny. I would probably say the things that I get to do in a cross collaboration with Michigan State is top of the list. Okay. And so when we get to, you know, work with Draymond and to do something with Michigan State students, mm-hmm. that is that was is always at the top of the list. And that you know, alumni and all that. <laughs> oh my yeah, that's that's pretty special, I would say. And it's yeah. back in your home state. Yeah, that there's a lot yes. there. So no no that's, offense, all the other programs, but yes, yes. I would say as an yeah. alumni of Florida State, anytime they ask me to do something, I'm very obliged. At the same yes. time, I'm building so much great rapport around this platform too. That oh, when sure. I see successful people and bringing them in, you know, it just makes such a difference. Sure. Um, so we're super happy for you. We're super sure. happy for the MSU community and continue yes. to kind of continue to work. So we're gonna go a little beyond sports. We talk about okay. sports, business, and beyond. You are an author. How did you get a vision for a book on what? You're a purse? Help me out here. Give us the title. Go through it a little bit. You're like, got this thing where you're carrying your faith like you're carrying your handbag. Talk to us about that. Where did that come from? Yeah. So I guess it's been five or so years ago at this point, but I actually had a dream that I was carrying one of my favorite purses, obviously it's green, to to honor my alma mater. 
But in the dream, I was giving my, my mom was asking for the, the purse. And I was like, mom, I can't give you my purse. Like, it's my purse. And very, very long story short, the dream really like stuck with me. And I was like, man, like what, you know? So that year I was, I started putting together purses and giving them to nonprofit organizations to help these women that, you know, may be in these, you know, peculiar situations to give them an opportunity to to carry what they wanted to carry instead of letting the situations being something that they would have to carry. And so basically I got my friends together. We stuffed the, the purses with toiletries. We wrote notes in it and just realizing the impact that it was having on the women that we were giving these purses to. I was like, wow, like this is a really cool, you know, message. And so I remember I had an opportunity to speak to a group of women and I was like, you know, what? we're going to talk about what's in our purses. And so we're going to talk about like your makeup, your IDs, your, you know, business, you know, things that are in there. But we're also going to talk about the things that are kind of in that, that secret pouch that you don't want anybody to, to hear or see. Okay. And when I had the, the opportunity to speak to them, I was like, oh, my gosh, like I should put this in a book. Okay. You know, and so long story short, I was, you know, one of those people that had been writing a book forever. And finally, I just I was like, you know, what? let's just do it. This is the year to do it. And so we we got it done. So the, the book is what's in your purse, carrying your faith like you carry your handbag. And it just is the, the metaphor about it is if I look into your purse, I can learn everything that I want to know about you, good, bad and ugly. And if knowing the things in your contents of your purse represent who you are, do we need to make some adjustments to the things that are your, the things that you're carrying? So that is the premise of the book. Go out and buy it. It's on Amazon. There you go. plug. <laughs> we, we, we allow so, that here. <laughs> yes. So go out and buy it. It's a really, really cool book. It's, you know, an easy read. It's definitely something that every girl, every woman at every age can relate to. And so I hope I hope everybody enjoys it. So I've written a book. I've got another one coming too. Mm -hmm. But what's one thing, and this happened to me, I want to ask a fellow author, you know, what's yeah. one thing about writing your book that happened that you didn't expect to happen? Yeah, I think you want to keep editing it. And so I think you just, you want to keep making changes. You want to keep adding stories. You want to keep, you know, but you got to, you got to draw the line somewhere. Mm -hmm. And just knowing that the, the books um, that are supposed to, that people are supposed to read, they're going to read them. Mm -hmm. And your book may not be for everybody and being okay with that. And so I think that that was one of the things that I had to like, Lauren, you can over edit this book until it's not there. Mm -hmm. And so... Just, you know, hey, if you're going to write it, you know, sometimes you got to, you know, put it in the oven, let it bake, but eventually you got to pull it out. And yep. so I think that that was the one of the key lessons that I learned about the book. And, you know, obviously for the hopefully some some additional books, like you mentioned, Kevin, to come. Yeah, you, you will have them. They will come. You know, what's surprising to me about a book is I've had my book out for almost six, seven years now. And I believe yeah. every month since it's been out, I've gotten a royalty. And I just can't yeah. believe that it continues yeah, to the people impact. Are still reading it. Yes, that it continues to impact somewhere in the world. Somebody buys <laughs> something yes. that I wrote yeah. uh, years later. So it's, it's one of those things that's really interesting to me. What are you yeah. involved in outside of work that we would find interesting that makes Lauren tick and be unique that it goes beyond sports? 
Yeah, so I love, love giving back. So the Children's Hospital is actually like across the street for me. Mm. That's probably where I love, you know, spending my time just from a, a give back perspective is something that's extremely important to me to be able to give back in that way. But another thing that I'm extremely involved in is uh, ministry. And mm-hmm. so things that I do at my church are, you know, very important to me. But outside of that, like, I just love like going to new restaurants. I love experiencing. So but right now I get the really cool opportunity to explore the Bay Area, um, which is a new opportunity for me. And so and I get to explore now outside of COVID, which is, you know, looks a little different. And so, you know, on Saturday is my birthday. And so I'm going mm-hmm. will watching. So to, to be able to explore is probably some of the things that has been really cool about living in this city. Um, is that everything is new. So that's definitely something at the top of the list, just being able to explore outside, literally physically outside in the middle of winter um, has been really cool and something I've totally taken like enjoyment in doing as well. Well, that's cool. Happy birthday, by the way, coming up. So awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you. One of the things as we get ready to transition and close a little bit, we've got one more phase after this is, you know, for for someone Mm -hmm. who is a student or high achiever, even an athlete in transition or, you know, looking to do in soon, you know, what advice would you give people who want to go into the next level and they're just challenged because they can't see it, but you have done it. What would you say when you move into these spaces of the unknown, but you still want to do it, but you just don't know if you can? Yeah, that's a great question. I do think that Sometimes we want the whole gourmet meal, you know, all at one time, but sometimes you may have to start with the appetizer. (laughs) And so I do think that, you know, if you want, you know, whatever that is in life that you want, just because you don't get it the first time you try and the first time you reach for it doesn't mean that it's not obtainable. Mm It just may, it may take you some time, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I say this to students all the time that getting, you know, new jobs or switching careers is almost like being in a relationship. And so you don't go from meeting the person to the next hour, now you're married. Like sometimes <laughs> right. you may have to ask them out a couple of times and they may be playing hard to get and you they may say no, but you still keep asking, right? right? And sometimes... Right. You may have to court them and sometimes you may have to, you know, show them that you're interested by sending them flowers. Right. Mm-hmm. And so taking that same attitude towards the next thing that you want to do in your career. And so so sometimes instead of sending them flowers, maybe that means setting up a coffee date with them mm-hmm. or setting up an informational interview or setting up, you know, hey, instead of, you know, doing nothing because you want to write a book. Instead of, you know, hey, the book isn't done, but maybe you go to a writer's workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do think that taking your time is is always appropriate. Um, and it makes the reward of getting it a little bit a little bit better. But I know it's so, so hard because sometimes you can't see it. Sometimes you don't mm-hmm. see it in front of you. Sometimes you're like, I'm just going to give up because it's right. been years and right. I've been trying. And so, but literally like, and I, again, I say this too, you never know what can happen in 12 months. 
At the start of 2020, I had no idea that by the end of the year, I would be in a completely different state with a championship team on the way. And so, you know, just knowing, you know, when you think about everything that we knew at the start of 2020, when COVID was, you know, scaring us all, we didn't know what was, you know what I mean, happening. And literally in December, I had moved to San Francisco. Mm. And so... Just knowing that in 12 months, your life can be completely different, can be completely changed. And so even if it's really, really hard, you know, don't don't give up on it. And even if you have that low moment, you're like, have the low moment. It's okay. It's okay. We've had them all. Yes. Have have the moment. And then the next day, like put one more foot back in. And so that would be the the advice I would share. So awesome. And I love that because you you did take a risk on yourself and you started small Mm -hmm. and look at, you know, where you are now, you know, you gained another department, player development. When I first knew you out there, you were doing the social responsibility. So your territory increased. But you now, we're going to enter and speed this up and go with the speed round. So now to end, we're going to ask you quick questions, rapid fire, short responses, short, short, short. So you ready? Ready? Okay. Yep. All right. Let's do it. How is the East Coast West Coast switch over been for you? Good, bad, and eh, whatever. Which one? West Coast is the best coast. All right. Good. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. What are a few must-have items in your purse? My ID, my lip gloss, and my car keys. Okay. Okay. Good one. What's the last good book you've read lately? Uh, Red Lip Theology. That has been the, the last book. It's, it's <laughs> what did you say? What? Red, Red Lip what? Theology. Oh, it's, my goodness. We got to go research that one. Yes, it's, it's really good for all the, the, the women that are looking to, like, you know, show up and show out. It's a, it's a great book. What's the last song you listened to and downloaded? Hmm. Uh, oddly enough, uh, Drake, <laughs> 21 okay. Savage Twins is probably the, the last song that I downloaded. Got it. Describe your style in one word. Something different every time. Okay. <laughs> what has been your favorite age to be so far? Ooh, the, the one I'm at now. <laughs> Your favorite part about San Francisco? Uh, the, the bay, the water. Excellent. And your last, if you could be remembered for doing one thing in the world and it carry on, what would it be? Giving back to others. Love it. Love it. Lauren, how can our listeners find you online, follow you, stay up on all things Lauren Claiborne, Dub Nation, all that, whatever you would like to share, your social media handles, how can we help build and follow and consume you? Yes, I'm on all the social media channels. So I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Um, Some combination of Lauren Claiborne is my handle. I'm also on LinkedIn. So feel free to look me up there. Excellent. And one more time for your book. What's in your purse? Carrying your faith like you carry your handbag. All right. Get a piece of Lauren on social or consume her as an author. Yes. In closing, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lauren Claiborne, for being on the hit show today with the University of Florida and Institute of Coaching Excellence. We would love to stay in touch with you. So we are going to post this episode. and. 
Everyone needs to hear it and we want you to do it too and share it with your world-class employees and audience. The hit show, in our opinion, should be saved on everybody's podcast and everybody should listen because you learn things about one of the most hidden skills, in my opinion, how to go from one transition to the next with success in sports and business and beyond. So in closing, we'd like to say thank you on behalf of Protoceo and the Hit Show podcast on this platform, Athlete Plus Network, and the Institute of Coaching Excellence at University of Florida and the College of Health and Human Performance at UF. Go Gators, right? I'm Kevin Carr, host of the Hit Show and also the CEO of Protoceo. Look, I want to let our audience know that we help athletes transition and we help build this community up. So sports, when it's over, your life is not over. You can be successful in your next transition. So if you know an athlete in need, needs assistance, go to ProCO.com and contact us at the link. The hit show doesn't end without our guests doing our signature outro. And our special guest says, you have listened to your name when you say it on the hit show. So go ahead, Lauren, take it away. You have listened to Lauren Claiborne on the hit show. Thank you, Lauren. I'm Kevin Carr, host of The Hit Show with Protoceo as well. You've listened to Lauren and her many successful transitions on The Hit Show. Thank you. And Lauren, happy birthday once again. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you for having me. This podcast is a production of Athlete Plus, the people, stories, and science behind elite athletes and teams. Athlete Plus is the official podcast network of the Institute for Coaching Excellence, a research, education, and outreach center in the College of Health and Human Performance at the University of Florida.